The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, guys? We are talking the star. Uh, transitioning over to talking the draft now. I'm your host, Connor Lively, and my co-host today, Joey Ike. Uh, again, we did not hear last week for the week off. Transitioning over to talking the star to talking the draft. the draft, coaching, all of the, the fun team-building stuff that me and Joey love to get into. Um, unfortunately, we'd love to still be talking to Star and talking about a possible Super Bowl run, but we obviously know that's not happening at this point. And uh, we're going to get into the offseason, uh, which we're really excited about. A lot of things to talk about. Before we get started, Joey, you uh, you hanging in there? Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's a little bit... You know, sad to watch these other teams go on these runs that we felt like the Cowboys might have a chance to do. But um, at the same time, it's uh, it's always fun to turn the calendar over into – and it happens so fast, right? Like, it, it's always fun to turn the calendar over to a new football year, which is kind of starts, you know, this week, really. Yeah, no, it's – uh we always say it on the show, and – you know, it's like the season's so much fun. We have so much fun breaking down the year and, you know, hoping the Cowboys can make a playoff run, make a Super Bowl. But, man, it's like it's it's so many years of disappointment. I hate to say it this way, but it's like all the offseason's almost more fun for me nowadays as, you know, somebody who covers the, the NFL for 33rd team and NFL draft for 33rd team. Like, I almost enjoy doing that more than doing the in-season Cowboys stuff just because it seems to end the – same way every year and at least the offseason stuff there's a lot of uh to be determined and unknown that is involved with that <laughs> yeah absolutely and it, there's there's something about you know this and we get to kind of rest in some of this stuff a little bit and really you know you get in the season and the cadence of the season is so fast and it's so repetitive that especially with us we do one show a week like we don't really get to kind of like really dig and dive into this stuff the way you do in the off season. So it is, and, and there's a little bit of like a, Hey, this stuff could be anything that I want. It's the night before Christmas, right? Where it's like those boxes under the tree could be anything in my mind. And once you open them, they are what they are. Once you get into the season, you have the team you have. It looks the way it looks. They're running the schemes they're running right now. The Cowboys could be anything in 2024. And that's kind of an exciting place to be as a, as a fan, you know, especially a fan base that's lived through so much disappointment, even though, you know, I don't, I know for me, and I'm probably speaking for you a little bit here is like the excitement level for next season is dampened down a little bit from my perspective, just because of the, the approach that they've taken so far. Yeah. And if we want to dive into that. Like I said, we're getting into the draft. We're getting into the off season, talking the draft instead of talking the star. Um, obviously a lot of this stuff's going to be cowboy centric still, but, uh, since the last time we were on, you know, we had been kind of talking about the potential head coaching hires, the changes that we could see at offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. It's pretty much certain at this point. I mean, Mike McCarthy's back. Sounds like he's probably going to be calling the plays, and 
it's not for certain that Dan Quinn's going to be back, but it sounds like if you had to take a guess right now, I see, and, and I think I'm different in this. I think if you had to take a guess after what we heard today, I think Dan Quinn will get one of these head coaching jobs. It's just determined if he's actually going to take it or not. So I wanted to get your thoughts on what you think is going to be happening with Dan Quinn over the next 24 to 48 hours. Yeah, this head coaching cycle is super interesting, right? Because you get, you know, the Brian Callahan hire was a little bit interesting and unexpected. Um, and then Raheem Morris gets an opportunity that he's deserved for a long time to get to be a head coach again in, in Atlanta. And that takes two jobs off the market that, you know, some of these higher profile guys were considering looking into. And now you've got, you know, Ben Johnson, you know, I'm going to wait another year. Bobby Slowick, you know, I'm going to wait at least another year. And, you know, now the, the number of candidates is not that far apart from the number of jobs, even though, like, you know, the fact that Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick are, and, you know, these other guys, Dan Quinn, these former head coaches, are out there, and there's only two jobs left. And that's not even counting Mike McDonald, who's, you know, the probably the hottest candidate left out there at this point. Um, it's just, it's going to be interesting to see what direction these teams go because it would probably be pretty hard to, to hire Dan Quinn after the way the last month went for the Cowboys defense. And, but at the same time, like they're with Slowick and Johnson kind of bowing out. And with the way the hires have gone so far, oh, and I forgot Dave Canales in, in Carolina. Like some of these guys that we didn't think were going to be prime candidates got jobs, and yeah. because of that, now now it's almost a game of musical chairs for these last few guys. And I think Johnson and Slowick kind of looked around and went, you know what, you know, we're kind of good. Like Bobby Slowick's like, you know, I got a defensive head coach who loves having me, lets me do my thing. I got a great quarterback who's super young. We're only the odds that we are worse next year than we were this year are very low. Ben Johnson, you know, coming off the run, they just came off of how close they just got. I'm sure there's a, let's run it back and try to do a little bit better. Um, you know, sentimentality going through that place. It's going to be interesting to see how these head coaching jobs roll out because I don't know. I'm in this weird spot and maybe you are too. I don't know if I want Dan Quinn to get a job. Yeah, and that that's kind of what I wanted to touch on because I was we were back and forth on this. Like I think the when they came out and pretty much said, "Hey, we're going to run everything back. We're going to have Mike McCarthy back." I was kind of like more frustrated at the idea of doing everything back, not so much like just Dan Quinn coming back. Like it was in that you know forty eight to seventy two hour period where they're like, "Hey, Mike McCarthy's going to be back." You know, we're doing we're you know we're we we. We're gonna. They pretty much came back and said without saying it, "Hey, we're running everything back what we just did." And like, I think that was the frustrating point for me when kind of the news had dropped. Like, Mike McCarthy's gonna come back, and if Dan Quinn doesn't get a head coaching job, they won't be moving on. Like, he'll he'll still be the defense coordinator. It's kind of like, damn man, like I'd like to see something change. You know, it just seems like we keep hitting the repeat button and not getting any different results. Like that's the actual definition of insanity. But like you said, like, I mean, I'm, especially when you start hearing the Ron Rivera names and stuff like that, like Dan Quinn, I, I said this on a show with, um, I want to say it was, I was on the radio with Dalton Miller the other day on his, his uh, YouTube show. Like Dan Finn, Dan Quinn's kind of gotten the shit in the stick because it's like, when you look at like the offense went in that playoff game, fully healthy. Like they, they, got their left guard back they got their right guard back they had their receivers they had the running back they had the quarterback Dan Quinn was kind of having the short end of the stick there where you know the the defensive tackle just coming back you know just come back from injury Jonathan Hankins you know CB1 at the time you know obviously has a torn ACL but CB1 at the time like was has a torn labrum is what it came out to and was going to need offseason surgery. You know, like they were thin at linebacker and bad at linebacker. They were thin at defensive tackle and bad at defensive tackle. Like they weren't fully equipped to, we thought that they could beat Green Bay, but like, I feel like even if they made it to the point where they were going to have to play a San Francisco 49ers or Detroit Lions, like 
we were going to get to a point where we were like, hey, we don't know if this defense can hang with these teams. And I feel like he went from getting not enough blame in the regular season to too much blame for that playoff loss. And he was dealing with just a defensive roster that wasn't very good at that point. Yeah, you make good points. The thing that, like, you know, I don't want to, you know, spend a whole bunch of time talking about the Green Bay game. You know, that's been digested a a bunch. But we've seen a lot of quarterbacks in the the two weeks' worth of games and, and including the week that the Cowboys lost play really, really badly. Absolutely in the first half of playoff games, like far worse than Dak Prescott played in the first quarter, the first half of the Cowboys playoff game. There's been more than that too. Like you go back to Lamar and CJ Stroud last week and like, yeah, like I said, the the last two weeks and then you add on the wild card week too. Right. um, There's a lot of bad quarterback play happening in the playoffs, but somehow those quarterbacks managed to not go into the half down 27 to seven. Four positions. Yeah, and and they also, in the second half, their defense got, doesn't give up twenty one more points in the second half after giving up twenty six in the first half. Like one of my favorite sayings is the football games are sixty minutes long for a reason, and that is because usually, as long as the team plays hard for the full length of the game, the team with the better talent, especially the better talent on offense, will win. Yeah. But if one side of the ball quits and doesn't give the the offense the chance to rally itself and play really well in the second half and have that matter, then it doesn't matter how long the game is because once you fall behind with this team, you're toast. Your defense cannot play in in an even game script or behind. And and like – the not being able to play in a in a neutral game script, the not being able to play against a, a Shanahan McVay style offense, which I don't know if you noticed, another Shanahan McVay disciple head coach, another Shanahan McVay disciple offensive coordinator hired already this cycle. You know, a couple of those other guys getting interviewed all over the place. Like two thirds of the league is going to be that style of offense before too long, and you have a coach who absolutely gets his units shredded by it every time they play them. And the the fact for me that's hard to to reconcile is the reason you the reason that people will argue and will love Dan Quinn as a defensive coordinator is because he's a leader, he, you know, the guys love playing for him, all this kind of stuff. But it sure as heck has looked several times over the last couple of years like this defense just stops playing hard when things don't break their way. Yeah, I mean, it you, you see it guys slump their game. shoulders, you, right. mat, you know, all that kind of stuff. And like, if if the defensive coordinator is there mainly because he's a leader of men and rah rah, and the guys love him and all that, like that's the stuff that can't happen. Get out schemed every once in a while, okay, that happens. But if you're gonna be rah rah guy standing up in the in the uh, the booth in the coach's box, you know, all hyped up, hat backwards, all that kind of stuff, like don't your guys have to like play with consistent energy and effort and all that kind of? And I don't know. I, like I said, I don't know if I want Dan Quinn to get a job because I don't know that the options that they will bring in afterwards are better than what they've got. Right. And and I hate like. I mean, again, I'm the last person that makes excuses for this team when it's not doing thing well, doing things well. But like, I guess my last thing, and we'll move on for it. Like, I, I'd like to see Dan Quinn back at defensive coordinator with a healthier unit, and just figure out because that's the thing is like, as much as we, you know, are, we're are upset with the Shanahan tree stuff, like. Does that change if you have better linebacker play? You don't have a 220-pound linebacker getting thrown around in circles with some of the motion, and you don't have, you know, too bad safety, you know, J. Ron Kirsch chasing down routes down the middle of the field because he has no clue where to go. Like, And, again, that's the nature of the beast in the NFL is you're going to be without some players, especially when you make it that deep in the playoffs. But 
I would like to see him with one more year of, you know, healthier guys on defense and better players on defense to see if maybe, you know, was he having a Rod Marinelli, you know, season there where he was like getting good results out of bad players. And, you know, you were hoping that with a better roster on the defensive side of the ball, maybe he can do a little bit more and have a little bit more success against some of the better, more well-designed offenses. Yeah, I think there's there's arguments to be made on both sides of that conversation for sure, which is why I'm I'm like I'm not sure if I want Dan Quinn to get a head coaching job or if I'm hopeful that he doesn't, so he'll so he'll or that he yeah. decides to turn him down, so he'll decide I, to stay here. I, I, I just, think I right know. now I prefer him to come back over some of the other options, but I'm kind of with you where it's like I'm not like please take a job, and then I'm also not like please come back. It's kind of like I'm like the you know. What's the what's is who's the who's the gif on Twitter where he's like yeah I'm, you know this I don't know what gif I'm talking about but it's there's a there's a gif on Twitter where it's like the old bald guy I can't remember his name right now and he's like kind of like yeah I'll take it but I also don't love it and it's like that's kind of my actions of how I feel about Dan Quinn right now it's like there's not really anyone else that we're excited about like realistically if Dan Quinn goes Joe Witt's probably gonna be the defense coordinator and. Like we don't know if he's going to be any good, so it's like, yeah, we'll we'll stick with what we know. It's had good results. It's had poor results against the teams you kind of need the good results from. But if we're going to run the whole thing back, like let's give them one more year. Hopefully, we'll add some pieces. We'll be a little bit healthier and see if we can get better results. But again, I think I think in the end, it can you know to close everything out. It's like this whole coaching staff is going to get one more year, and if they don't show some huge signs of improvement and they're all going to be gone at that point. Yeah. And so speaking of this one more year idea, I have a, a theory that I'm workshopping now run by. I wonder if there's some of these really good head coaching candidates who are looking around at the landscape of the league and saying, you know, I can either go to Washington and deal with, trying to be the person that turns around this thing that has been so terrible for so long. And yes, I've got cap space and a top pick, but you know, if I miss that pick, I'm out of a job in two and a half years and probably never get another opportunity or yeah. go to Seattle and have to deal with, you know, being the guy after the guy. I wonder how many of these guys might look at, you know, McCarthy has got, He's on the last year of his contract. He's probably got one more run back. There's a lot of scenarios where Mike McCarthy is not the head coach of the Cowboys next year. A lot of scenarios. And last year I was the guy saying there's no way Mike McCarthy loses his job after the after the 2023 season. Like they just won't do it. They've been too good. They're not going to let him go. But on an expiring contract without an extension there are so many ways that this leans and winds up when Mike McCarthy, not the head coach of the Cowboys in 2024. And yep. I wonder if some of these head coach agents are going, you know, you can, this Dallas job is probably going to be open in 2025. And there's an MVP level quarterback there and a really, really good wide receiver there and a young, a, a pretty decent offensive line and, you know, some defensive pieces in place. And you could go there and, you know, we could start kind of lobbying for that job early. You know, we saw how it worked for Mike McCarthy, right? <laughs> Two months before the jobs come open, he's running, they're running puff pieces with him watching Cowboys tape on the puff piece, right? <laughs> um, I just wonder if there's some of that going on with, you know, all of a sudden Ben Johnson and Bobby Slowick backing out of the jobs and, you know, Brable and Belichick not getting jobs. And, and all this kind of stuff. I wonder if they're if they're kind of being a little bit picky about what they would be looking for this year because they know that there's the opportunity to get, let's be honest, the premier job in the NFL. What you know, you can argue about what it's like to work with Jerry Jones. Almost every head coach who has worked with Jerry Jones raves about it, you know. But it's the Cowboys. And there, there's no more high-profile coaching job in the in the world than the Dallas Cowboys. And 
I just wonder if maybe there's some of that that's pushing some of these guys towards waiting another. Yeah. No, I mean, last thing, uh, we'll get into the senior bowl draft guys, a few draft guys we started watching early, but my advice to those guys would be don't bank on the Joneses hiring that first year head coach. That would really go. But we did get the, we're going all in this year, you know, senior bowl this year. So maybe they are changing their, their thought processes some on this, but just, it would, I don't know what would stun me more is if they actually do go all in and spend money in free agency and like do the all in style off season that we've kind of been begging them to do for a few years, or if they move on from Mike McCarthy after 2024 and hire a Bobby Slowick or, you know, a first year Kyle Shanahan disciple, because that would, that would really go away from what they normally do uh, when they are in these rare hiring a new head coach um, seasons that they've rarely put themselves into. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think and I wonder I wonder how much we overstate that. Because like McCarthy obviously wasn't a first time head coach. They had just come off of Jason Garrett and were kind of going a different direction, right? Wayne Phillips, that was not his first time as a head coach, I believe. I'm trying to remember. I think that was not his first time as a head coach. Bill well, Parcells, obviously not his first time as a head coach. Well I don't think I don't think you're necessarily wrong for saying we overstate it's just like they've had two coaches in the last hundred years you know again i'm exaggerating the last 15 years they've right. had two coaches right. one of them was a first-time coach the other one was not right so like more teams you know when they don't have super bowl success are normally going through a coaching hire you know hiring process more recent you know more often than that i guess is you know like i said you kind of make your point of like we're kind of we might overstate that but it's also just because we don't have the years of going through it for them to know like Hey, what do you look for in a head coach? Because they've only really done it twice, and one of those times they interviewed somebody to satisfy the Rooney Rule, and then hired the guy. You know, three hours later. Yeah, and like you think about like Bobby Slowick, right? He's been in the league for over a decade. Like he was on those those Washington staffs with Shanahan and McVeigh and the Lafleur brother brothers and all that. Yeah. And he was in the league before that. Yeah, I mean, it's Mike McDaniel, same thing. You know, like he's young, you know, looks at this like young, doesn't know what he's doing. He's been coaching for 25, you know, not 25 years, but a long time. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we're not talking about Jason Garrett, who had been a quarterback's coach in Miami for like two seasons, the offensive coach in Dallas or the offensive coordinator in Dallas for two and a half, and then became the head coach. Like, we're not talking about that. We're talking about guys who are coaching lifers who have, you know, been in the league for a decade for Bobby Slowick. And then Ben Johnson's been around for a minute too. You know, he, he went through the, uh, he, he'd been in the league for over a decade too. He started with Miami in 2012. So like, these are guys who've been in the league for a long time. Now, you know, based on conversations we've heard from other podcasts, there's a chance Stephen Jones doesn't even know who these guys are <laughs> to uh, to be able to consider hiring them. I but, could I could not believe that clip when I heard it the other day. Is it? It's not even that shocking to me. Well, it's not shock. Well, it's I appalling, think, but it's not shocking. Right, right, right. Like that's what I, I guess that's what I mean. When I say I can't believe it. Like I I can believe it, but like I can't. I can't like my brain can't connect the dots to be like that actually happened. Yes. And like I you know we're we're just kind of riffing on a bunch of different stuff here. Maybe we'll get to see I promise we'll get into some draft guys here in a second. <laughs> but like we didn't get to talk last week so we're we're catching up on all right. this stuff, right? I asked Sean Sharif from 1053 when the next time if they were going to get Jerry or Steven again soon. Cuz I need somebody to ask them what they think makes a good head coach. Because I need to know, like, I don't think they have any idea what makes a good head coach. Their answer would be something along the lines of consistency, which I I feel like you could then make the argument that this is one of the most inconsistent. Maybe not one of the most inconsistent, but their their inconsistent high and lows are like as inconsistent as it gets. 
Yes. <laughs> like, and, and, you know, they're probably talking about, like, consistency on a day-to-day basis. Right, in terms right. Of who they are in the building and all that kind of stuff. But, like. Also, just, like, having, what, three straight play. You know, like, we love that we're in the, we're in the, you know, what Jerry said today, we're right around the rim, you know, in the last three or four years, whatever the hell that means. Like they love that. Like, even though they aren't winning anything, they're involved in the playoffs. Like they love that. And I feel like that would be one of their answers is like, not every team gets the ability to play a playoff game every year. And we've had that in the last three years. And it's like, cool. I don't really enjoy being the Steelers, you know, over the last 10 years, but that's just me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right. And so I'm just I'm very curious to know that. And I hope that somebody I hope that somebody gets the chance either between that, you know, it'll be hard once you get into the season. They'll dodge the question. Oh, absolutely. Now now that they now that they've decided to keep Mike McCarthy and all that kind of stuff, because they'll take it as a how are you evaluating Mike McCarthy? And they'll talk about, you know, the body of work and this and the other. But it's like because they're they're hires for a long time have just been people that they knew, right? Like he hired Jimmy Johnson, who he went to college with, hired Barry Switzer, who he went to college with, and then turned around and hired two coaches who had been on the staff and then hired Bill Parcells and then hired Wade Phillips and then hired Jason Garrett off the staff, kept him for 10 years, and then turned around and had a sleepover and decided to hire Mike McCarthy. So like – I don't have any idea what they think makes a good head coach. And considering that, like, let's be honest, that's the decision in the next 12 months that they have to make that will make the biggest decision in the the direction of this franchise for the next four to five years. Because as as much as people want to him and all, Dak Prescott's going to be the quarterback of the Cowboys for the next four to five years, period. So there's not a decision there. So the next biggest decision is, Who's going to be the head coach? And I don't have any idea if they know what in the world makes a good head coach. And that is terrifying. Yeah, no doubt. Senior Bowl. Senior Bowl draft. Like I said, we're uh, we're just at the start of the Senior Bowl. Um, we'll probably roll through this in five or ten minutes and get more into draft guys and away from some of the coaching stuff here next week. But um, Senior Bowl is kicked off. Practice started today. Uh, I mean, one of the most – I haven't been to the Senior Bowl in probably like five years. I went three, four years in a row um, back in the day. But since they started kind of getting the tape out to media folks online, there wasn't as much as a reason to go anymore, um, which I appreciate a lot because it's tough to take off the old nine-to-five for a whole week and go down there to watch football players. But, you know, I did it for a few years in a row. But – one of, if not the most talented groups, I think you could say ever in Senior Bowl history. Again, going back to some years way in the past, maybe it has a beat. But since I've really started covering the draft, it's definitely one of the most talented groups I can remember. Um, I mean, just a loaded group from on offense, defense. You got two, you know, first round caliber quarterbacks there. You got a bunch of the, you know top 50, 60, 75 wide receivers there, the top edge rushers there, top offensive linemen are there. It's just – it's a great group down in Mobile. Um, let's dive into a couple guys that we, you know, we we saw some stuff from today that, you know, we think could be some some targets that this team should be looking into. Um, I'll let you start with a guy that I know you've watched a little bit of tape on uh, prior to the Senior Bowl, and then obviously he had a good first day in Mobile this week. Um, and he plays a position of need for the Cowboys. I'll let you kind of start touch on him for a little bit. Yeah. Um, Jackson Powers Johnson, JPJ, the center from Oregon. You know, we get in these roles every year where we kind of pinpoint these guys early in the process that we're interested in for the Cowboys. 
And a lot of times it winds up where, you know, they're being highly considered as we get towards the end. But this guy is exactly what the Cowboys need at center. He is a, a real-life center who brings size. I'm trying to find his measurements from the uh, – He's 6'5", 333, I want to say is what he measured in that. Massive. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're going from – Almost, almost from, like, you know, kind of viewed as like too big to play center in the NFL. <laughs> right. Like you're going from Tyler Biotish, who is – 315 is what you know you he he's listed at. I bet he's probably playing at like 305 or something like that, if we're being honest, 307. To somebody weighing in for the senior bowl at 330 plus. And you just think about you see what JPJ does in the run game, getting into the way the, the Oregon offense plays with all the screens and the runs and all this kind of stuff. If I can put him between Tyler Smith and Zach Martin, and now all of this is contingent on the idea that I want to bring Tyron Smith back for one more year at least because I want to take a shot at a, a tackle in the middle of the draft and you know hope that a middle-of-the-draft tackle this year is like a second- or third-round tackle in another year and we can be fine that way, you know, roll all that together. But if I can put Jackson Powers Johnson between Tyler and Zach – now I feel like I have a really, really high-level interior three, which really opens up things in the run game. It opens up things you can do in the pass game protection-wise because if I don't have to worry about those three guys in the middle protection-wise ever, because you know Tyler Biotis played really well the last few years for who he was, but there's another level of of center play that's capable, that's possible, that if you can go get – JPJ and put him in the middle of this offense. Um, you really solidify that pivot for a long time. And um, I think that that's part of the, uh, you know, the Joey Ike's grand plan to fix the Cowboys offense. Yeah. And the good thing, again, like we talked about the, we've talked about, well, we really haven't since this is the first time, but like this tackle class, I guess I'll, you know, touch on that. Like this tackle class is really, really good. The guard class, there's some tackle to guard uh, converts that we, you know, are going to get into that we think can be really good guards that are currently playing tackle. Um, but there's not like a ton of like really good just guard prospects who are coming out of college as guards. But the center class is really good too. Like Zach Frazier, West Virginia. Um, I mean, he, I, I have JPJ ranked just ahead of him, but Zach Frazier is another guy who isn't this big. Like he's kind of the polar opposite of JPJ where he's shorter, you know, he's still stocky, but man, he fits like everything you want in a center. Like he has a center center build. Um, he's not like the freak athlete that Tyler Linderbaum was coming out a few years ago, but he's a guy who, who moves well. Um, he's got that stock, shorter, stocky, shorter arm build, but man, he just, he's so violent. He's good on the move. Like he's another good guy uh, to kind of keep an eye on in the you know top, Top two rounds. Um, Graham Barton's one of my favorite players in this class in general. He was supposed to be at the Senior Bowl, but he's recovering from an injury. Um, you know, he's a guy who's a tackle, uh, tackle in college that might um, convert down to center in the NFL just because of his lack of length. Um, but he's a dude who who I think has a really high ceiling at center in the NFL. Uh, but he also can kind of – I mean, I think Graham Barton's like a – a really big name to keep an eye on at 24 right now, just because he's a college left tackle who was really good at left tackle who projects to be like a dominant center. And it's like that kind of knocks out two birds with one. stone. again, like I don't love throwing around the position versatility and, you know, the flexibility thing that they love. But I think when you have a guy who like plays the left tackle position really well, like to the point where if you drafted him, he'd probably either start for you or be, you know, a successor to Tyron Smith after next year, but also could just come in and start for you at center and probably be an upgrade from where you were at center last year. I think that's uh, very intriguing with that 24th overall pick because you could play him at center in 2024. And then once Tyron's gone in 2025, 
you might be able to move him back out the left tackle and then figure out the center position next year. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you've got three or four centers that are that are really good options for you in the first two or three rounds. Um, and that's that seems like it's more than most draft classes have. And like I said, that's only like top 50, 60, 75 guys. We're not even getting into day three guys yet. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's It feels like there's a lot of centers. The tackle class feels like it's really high end. And, you know, Graham Barton's an interesting player. And <clears throat> we know how the Cowboys feel about taking guys who played left tackle. Yeah. It, it, regardless of where they're going to wind up playing, they like to pick left tackles. Terrence Steele was a left tackle. Zach Martin was a left tackle. Tyler Smith was a left tackle. Tyron Smith was a right tackle, but now he plays left tackle. Well, that's Awesome Richards, left quick, tackle. TJ Bass, left tackle. Real quick, you mentioned Tyron Smith playing right tackle in college, converting to left tackle in the NFL. Another guy down in Mobile who I think – is not going to, you know, we always do this this time of year where it's like, oh, he's not going to make it to you at 24. Tyler Guyton out of Oklahoma is a stud. Um, hasn't gotten like the media, you know, like a, P, PFF has him as like a, you know, second round guy. Like if you take him at 24, you get, I think I did it yesterday, you get like a D or an F grade. Like they have him in the 50s. That guy is – if he gets out of the top 15, I'm going to be stunned. Um, just freak of nature, size, speed, athleticism, fluidity, grip strength, body control. Played right tackle at Oklahoma, and he hasn't played a lot of, of football, really. I mean, I think that's one of the, the cons in his scouting report is he doesn't have a lot of experience. But, man, you talk about a guy who you think can come in, play either tackle spot for you just because of how – fluid and athletic he is with his size. I think that the Tyron Smith, you know, played right tackle in college, gets drafted, and then ends up being a dominant left tackle is in the future for Tyler Guyton. And he's a guy to really keep an eye on this weekend, Mobile. Yeah, um, I, I was getting ready to go there too with Guyton, is that there is a, there's a lot of Tyron Smith comps floating around from you know, guys like Dane Brugler and Nate Tyson, you know, guys who enjoy offensive line and are good at watching it and all that kind of stuff. Um, he's getting a lot of really high praise, and it's uh, it's going to be interesting, like like you said. I think that, that DNF, when you take him at 24 in that PFF simulator, will wind up being, you know, C's and B's and A-minuses before we, uh, before we get too much further down the line here. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the you know, we'll kind of – We'll close this show out with this, and we're going to have plenty to talk about this offseason. But I think the the good thing about the 2024 NFL draft and the Dallas Cowboys right now is a lot of the Cowboys' holes and weaknesses heading into 2024, the draft has a lot of good talent at. They have a lot of good talent at tackle. They have a lot of, you know, I hate to say a lot, they have good talent compared to other years at center. Um there's no like absolute studs at defensive tackle. There's a ton of quality defensive tackle in this class that I think you can get in the second, third round. Um, again, like I talked about this with Dalton Noto the other day, but I mean, I think there's some guys that you get to 24, like, you know, Osa's a really, you know, really good player, but like there's, there's, there's a guy or two that if they're on the clock, when you're on the clock at 24, like they have to be of consideration I don't think they will because they just drafted a defense tackle. It didn't work out, and that's normally a position they don't go after. So I think that they're they're probably not going to do that, but there's some good defensive tackles. The linebacker class isn't great, but there's two or three guys that you can kind of target, you know, in the first two days of the draft um, who I think could come in and be good players for you. Um, like I said, it's it's a it's a it's a fun class this year. Corner, there's some really good corners. I mean, we we talked about, you know, a guy like Guyton, a guy like on Arnold out of Alabama. If he can somehow make it to you at 24, like that's one you're running the card up to. Uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Nate Wiggins. I mean, there's just – there's a lot of fun players that positions a need um, for Dallas, and I think that, that that's that's exciting because you, you don't have a lot of draft picks this year. Um, you know, we're hoping that maybe going into this they'll get in some spots where they can trade back a little bit, maybe pick up some additional capital. Um, but you know, they, they, a lot of the holes that they have on the roster heading into 2024, we hope they, they sure up in free agency like they should, but also they could be able to head in this draft 
They draft some really good young players that should be able to come in and play a lot for them in 2024, which is something they didn't get from their 2023 rookie class this year. Yeah, absolutely. And and if they're able to stack a good 24 class on some development from the 23 class, now we're cooking with grease for 24 and beyond. Yeah. I think my my and again he, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna blow up a little bit this week, I think, but there's a couple of guys like and again it's so tough because this receiver class is so good, but like I have like ten receivers that I feel like, hey, on the third round, you know, like receiver's not this like huge need, but if this guy falls to you, you know, in the third round or the you know, I know they don't have a fourth round pick right now, but that third, fourth, fifth round range, it's like some of these guys in Mobile this week and some of these guys we've been watching fall to you, it's like add a receiver. And I feel like that guy could come in and, you know, hey, he might not, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be your best receiver by any means, but like it wouldn't shock me if he develops and plays better than a Brandon Cooks or, you know, jumps Jalen Tolbert. Like there's just, there's a lot of good receivers in this class, good corners, good offensive linemen, a couple good, really good interior defense linemen. Um, the safety class I think is pretty good, which that's kind of like a sneaky position of need. You know, you know, they just played Malik Hooker and Donovan Wilson, um, but J. Ron Kerr is probably not here. And, you know, they don't really seem to want to play Wanya Thomas. So like they could add, you know, an impact safety in the draft. And it's like, that could, that could be, I mean, we see what watching Kyle Hamilton play football last weekend was just so much fun. And like, We've had much better safety play over the last three or four years than we've had in a long time here. But, man, it would be fun to have a dude like that on your defense that can just kind of do everything for you and be a, you know, force player against the run and the pass. Yeah, I think there's a lot of teams that would like to have a guy who plays like Kyle Hamilton, which is why he went so high in the draft. Dude, but he, uh, uh, He's a freak. Yeah, he is. Yeah, but I think I think you said it well and that it feels like the draft and the Cowboys, the positions that the Cowboys, we'll, we'll call them positions of need, the positions that the Cowboys will likely look to address in the draft, they seem to line up relatively well. And as long as they don't try to act like the smartest kids in the room, um, they've got a chance to uh, put a good class together that could come in and solidify the roster in a, in a way that they need it in a, in a big way. Because there, there's not that many contributors on this team that are under 25 anymore. It's uh, it's it's starting to get up there in age. All uh, all of the guys who we looked at for a few years and we're like, man, these are great young players on rookie contracts, are all in the next you know 12 to 24 months going to be great players on really expensive veteran contracts that uh, that they're going to have to figure out how to uh, how to pay and or replace. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. We we didn't even mention the running back position. I mean, like I said, there's not really a first round caliber quarterback or running back this year. There's probably not even a you know maybe not even a guy that you're excited to take in the second round this year. Man, like the running back class stretches really far from like that middle of the second round to fifth round range, and it's just like you probably grab you know you probably grab you know a guy in the on day two, late on day two or early on day three, and then come back and add another UDFA who I feel like, you know, is probably going to give you more than what you got from like a Deuce Vaughn or Malik Davis or, you know, improve what you had at Rico Dowdle. Like that's one of the big positions on offense. I know a lot of people are, well, you know, what, what running back are we going to add? We need to start a running back. And it's like, yeah, you know, we can, I think you can find a guy in the third round this year. And like a lot of those guys are in mobile this week. Um, it's just it's that's another position that we didn't even mention that is a position of need for Dallas that has a lot of good players in it. There's not the Saquon Barkley, there's not the B. John Robinson type that you know is being talked about as a top ten to fifteen pick, but there's a lot of guys that are going to go on day two or three who are going to come in start in the league and be really good NFL players. And I think that Dallas will probably be in the the mix to draft one of those guys, you know, sometime on day two or three. Yeah, I'm with you, and that's re- that's really the sweet spot to take and get value for running backs, linebackers, guys like that. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Like I said, I feel like five years ago, Blake Corum's a first round pick. You know, you're you're considering taking Jonathan Brooks in the first round, even though he's coming off a torn ACL. But it's just the league as a whole is kind of wisened up to you know when you should and shouldn't draft running backs. And I mean, it sucks for those guys coming into the league, and it sucks for those guys to get paid, but it's just 
you're just not seeing, I mean, you know, the Falcons did it with B. John last year and, you know, I'm sure maybe they're not regretting it yet, but you didn't get the results that you thought you would. And, you know, there's just, there's, you know, like I said, the, the Blake Corns, you know, seven, eight years ago, it's like, that's a, that's a pop, top five, top 10 pick, a guy who just dominated it at the national championship program for three or four years has a boatload of carries, but always successful. And it's like, now that guy's like, maybe he'll go in the top 100. So it's just, it's crazy to see how that, that group position has changed so much over the last few years. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Is that it's like, I'm a little bit relieved. There's not a guy up there at the top of the draft that we have to talk this year and why it doesn't make sense. But I'm excited to talk about these guys in the second and third round. Yep. Because, like I said, that is the spot where you get – I mean, think about the second-round backs that are out there. Nick Chubb's a second-round back. Derrick Henry was a second-round back. I mean, I'm sure if I went through the whole league, I can find a whole bunch more. But these second and third-round backs and these second and third-round linebackers, you talk about those being big positions in need for the Cowboys – hit those back-to-back on day two, and you will feel much better about your roster because both of those guys will come in and be maybe the best player on your roster at those positions the day you draft them as second- and third-round picks and be in position because of the positions that they play to contribute immediately when they walk in um, as as starters who can play a lot of snaps. So, Yep, no doubt. There, there's a reason why we talk about these things and the way we talk about them is because you spend high draft picks on tight ends and on defensive tackles that need a lot of development and a lot of work, and you don't get very much out of them as rookies. And you come, you add on to that a defensive lineman who winds up being a healthy scratch all year, uh, a running back that we, you know, we were all excited about the story and thought maybe there was a chance he could become something, but felt like the game was a little big for him as a rookie. No, and, you know, that's not a shot at his size. It's just, you know, the the nature of the, of the deal. Um, you've got to draft guys who can play. And I, I, I think that every, one, every few years they have one of these drafts classes where the guys come in and they, are, they play positions where it's very difficult to come in and play, or they pick a position in the, the early rounds that they don't have a direct line to a starting job for a guy. And every single year we walk away disappointed and we walk away going, man, they may have to pick that spot again because we don't have any idea what this guy is. Yeah. Yep, no doubt. They they definitely have a bad habit of drafting, you know, like I guess, you know, the thing I say is like I feel like corner's been kind of a, you know, obviously they went and traded for stuff on Gilmore, but like they have a – they have a bad habit of like having the same needs at the same spots year after year sometimes. And I feel like they just need to like, they need to have some of those day three guys like really, really hit one year, you know, to be like, all right, we don't have to go into this draft worried about drafting a linebacker or drafting a defensive tackle or drafting like they need one of the Kobe Turner guys to, you know, hit or the whatever, you know, the Fred Warners to hit where it's like, you know, okay, like we don't have to worry about linebacker for a couple of years because we got these three dudes who are going to, you know, rotate in and out, you know, but it just feels like they always need a corner. They always need, you know, a linebacker. They always are in need of a defensive tackle to stop the run. They're all like, it seems like they, they can't really hit the grand slam where it's like, all right, we can scratch that position off of like being a need for our team going into the offseason. Some dude falls to us that we can't pass out, we'll take him. But instead, like I said, offensive tackles been one of those for years. Like, just they need they need to hit a home run in one of these drafts, like 2016, where they cover like five or six different positions, and it's like, all right, we're set there for next year. Let's move to the next position group that we can kind of try to hit a home run on. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, uh, you mentioned corner. Like, imagine corner in a world where fifth round pick Deron Bland doesn't make first team All Pro this year. Oh yeah, it's ugly. Yeah, imagine safety in a world where sixth-round pick Donovan Wilson doesn't turn into a real player that you wind up signing to an extension. Imagine, you know, like, you know, Demarcus Lawrence is a second-round pick that turned into a dude. Like, the the reason why you talk about that is because of the difference that those guys make on your roster when you hit. 
Now, yeah. the odds that you hit those guys that big are super low, which is why you there's a lot of times you're better off throwing those fifth-round picks at a veteran with two years left on a contract because you're more likely to get two good years out of that guy than you are a guy you pick in the fifth round. But when you do make a pick there and you hit it, it's a game-changer because you get a George Kittle, you get a Jake Ferguson, you get a Jerron Bland, you get these guys who – really truly make a difference on your roster and it's a it's a huge deal for sure yep no doubt all right guys we will uh be back next week on the talking the draft podcast like i said we'll be transitioning from talking the star to talking the draft uh we hope you guys continue to tune in this offseason as like i said i know a lot of cowboys fans will you know turn turn the shows off for a year you know whatever you know until the season kicks back up but man like as frustrating as this team can be the the best thing the best advice I can give fans of the team is just like get into the team building side of things. You know, Joey, you're huge into like the salary cap stuff. Like today, Jerry Jones said something about how the cap hit's gonna like you can see the lies and hear the lies and like be able to just go, hey, that's not true. Which again, it's not gonna change anything because the the family owns the team, but like at least you can have some common sense about, you know, some of the takes that you're hearing and seeing from the GM and his son and be like, Hey, that's, that's not accurate information. Follow the shows. Like I said, keep clicking on the links and, and listening to the shows and reading the stories over blogging the boys. We'll bring you a lot of that content. We're going to talk about all the, the wrongs and the rights and what we think should happen and could happen. I'm sure we'll miss swing and miss a bunch too, just like they do. Um, but we're going to talk about it all off season. Like I said, we'll get into free agency here in a couple couple months we'll get into the draft a couple months later than that and then uh before you know it we'll be heading back to oxnard and getting ready for uh the 2024 season so it won't be long so thank you guys so much for listening we'll be back next week on the talking the draft podcast see you then Talking the Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesy, joined by my co-host tonight, Mark.